2: Welcome in Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid, SportsGrid SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish, Davis Maddock, we got everything for you today here on the show, including first workouts in Major League Baseball. We're going to hear from a couple of pitchers that you'll be drafting in fantasy this year. We'll also dive in to a little bit of average draft position, take our first look at the win totals in Major League Baseball going team by team. But Davis, we begin with some breaking news at the start of the show as ESPN was reporting that Carson Wentz, The Philadelphia Eagles quarterback has been traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a third round pick in 2021 and a conditional pick, which looks like it could be a second round pick, maybe even a little bit higher in 2022. So, uh, Davis, I think that this is probably our biggest story of the day, and it definitely looks like from a fantasy perspective – Wentz, I would say, probably has a chance to revitalize his career in Indianapolis. And if he simply puts up the same numbers Rivers did last year, I think that he'll be a viable back end, maybe QB one, but probably won't be drafted like that to start the season.
3: Yeah, I I think you're burying the lead here, though. We just got a brand new quarterback who can rush for 1,000 yards starting in the nfl you know we got uh, jalen hurts ran yeah. for 1200 yards his final season at oklahoma uh had 22 rushing plus uh he actually had two receiving touchdowns that final year at oklahoma um i am sitting here before we get on air uh, i went to star stock and was just buying up all of the jalen hurts rookie cards that were remaining i mean i, I think that we have seen the best football mm-hmm. of carson wentz's career and i think that we there there still is very much to come from young Jalen Hurts in the Philadelphia Eagles offense. It's fu-
2: it's funny that you mentioned the cards there, too, because uh, I bought Jalen Hurts probably about six months ago. So um, got those all in grading, and I'm, and I'm waiting for that. But I did make a very nice big mistake a couple of months ago when Phillip Rivers retired because I thought uh, this guy, Davis, Jacob Eason, was going to be a quarterback. Adios, yeah. Jacob
0: oh.
2: Eason. I thought he was pretty good in college, but I guess I don't have to send those to get graded anymore. You know, Probably not. Uh, but you never know actually with Carson Wentz. Maybe, maybe uh, Jacob Beeson will, will replace him at some point. But that's where we'll begin our show. Wentz is headed to Indianapolis. We'll dive into this a little bit later on. Let's get to our other headlines here. Fernando Tatis Jr. signs the biggest contract, the new biggest contract in baseball history. Baseball's doing horribly financially, but yet the Padres give him 14 years and $340 million. I think they're doing just fine. Tim Tebow, my uh, knight in shining armor as a Florida Gator, my guy, retires from baseball and the Mets. We'll talk about him later on in the show as well. Uh, Osaka knocks out Serena Williams in the Australian Open. And even some news, I think, that Davis is going to affect fantasy in a very big way for baseball at the beginning of the season as the Toronto Blue Jays are going to open up the season in Dunedin, their spring training facility that has received massive upgrades over the last couple of years to basically put them on par with the rest of the spring training ballparks. But uh, Davis, the dimensions in Dunedin, especially, I would say, and I think right center and left center field, Uh, Definitely going to be interesting for guys like Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and from a DFS perspective, going into the season, I can almost guarantee they'll be very undervalued. Uh, They're trying to play, though, in May, Davis, in Toronto, so let's hope that that happens
3: yeah uh i mean i i think that it'll just be impossible for them to get things figured out across the borders we've seen that happen in the nba with the raptors there just is too much uh that the countries don't agree on in terms of travel and visas and you know it really probably wouldn't be that big of a deal if they were just trying to bring the players across but you got to bring trainers you got to bring security you got to bring you know cooks and 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 you know hangers on and it, it just it's too much so i if if you were offering me a betting line on are the 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 blue jays going to be able to play home games this year i would uh i'd be taking the no at uh at you know close to even money for Mm -hmm. sure for the whole season yeah i just i i gotta be honest i don't i do not see it happening i think that i think that the travel Mm -hmm. stuff is just too difficult to figure out and i and i think the the other thing is it, it really probably doesn't matter that much to Major League Baseball. It probably matters way more to the Blue Jays. So in terms of lobbying, you're talking about a smaller lobbying body uh, trying to figure this out. Like, I don't, I don't really think Major League Baseball is really cares where the Blue Jays play their home games in the regular season.
2: Yeah, I would, this probably would be our biggest disagreement since we've started. I, I think that the Blue Jays will play in Toronto this year. And the reason I think that, Davis, is because the players are going to get vaccinated and then um, yeah, and then I think that's, that's going to solve a lot of the problems. In fact, what's going on right now is a lot of the Major League Baseball teams, once the full squads are reporting, they're going to be having seminars, from what I understand, where they're going to be talked to about why taking the vaccine is so important because obviously not everybody feels that way, to each his own on that. But I do feel pretty strongly that, and it may not be in May, and, and I think that that's optimistic to think May, but I definitely, if there was a betting line, would bet over one game for sure. And I don't know if it would be June, July, August, September. I mean, Davis, to think that we can't get baseball played in Toronto in September of, of 2021, that would be horrible. <laughs> It'd be horrible just thinking about that, but it certainly could be. You could be right on that. But I'll go against you on that one. All right, coming up next, it's time for our fantasy standouts in the NBA. We'll bring in our producer, Brett Levy. We'll go through the 10 games that there were in the NBA. Unfortunately, Miami Heat last night, I think they were up like 30 points, ended up losing that game. My gosh, what a tough year it's been for the Heat. Warriors ended up beating them. We'll be back after this. Don't go away Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Craig Mish along with Davis Maddock. We'll talk some baseball coming up a little bit later in the show. Recapping our top story of the day here on our network. Carson Wentz has been dealt. He is no longer a member of the Philadelphia Eagles. As Davis, he's headed over to the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, definitely a change in the landscape and atmosphere certainly there. We'll see how FanDuel chooses to adjust their lines Uh, My first blush on this, uh, and you you mentioned the the Philly side. We'll get back to that in a second. But I I think that the Colts side is definitely, I I think, a little bit more intriguing, at least at the moment, because we did see Hertz play a little bit last year with Philly. Sort of know, I think, what he can do a little bit. Maybe maybe more, certainly. But he was great from a fantasy perspective when he did play. But the Colts, Davis, they got a, a good year from Phillip Rivers. I thought he was done. I was shocked that he even did what he did last year. And now with Wentz going to Indianapolis, it's still probably a lot of wheels in motion there, I would say, in terms of the offense. We saw a really good running game. We know the Colts have been building on that offensive line for years, ever since Andrew Luck uh, showed himself the door there. But I suppose the question for Wentz is, Davis, that I would ask you is how long a leash does he have in Indianapolis? Like, I mean, what would happen if last year happened again this year with the Colts and and while I think that he'll probably be better, and he certainly could go back to being what he was two years ago, do you think that's a guarantee?
3: I don't think it's a guarantee because if you look at the whole body of work for Carson Wentz, really he has one tremendous year, tremendous and it was that uh, it was that it was that 2017 year where he went 11 and two as a starter, uh, 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions. Uh, he also ran pretty well that year Mm -hmm. 64 rushing attempts uh average 4.7 yards per carry and then outside of that um he has been a a a much more average quarterback so these are the qbrs the other years of his career 46 Mm -hmm. 62 62. 62.8 and 49.6 uh if we you know you kind of think about those like eras that basically makes him a shade ahead of league average and uh the to, to your other point though I do think he'll actually have a pretty long leash in Indianapolis, mostly because the Colts can win games without their quarterback, you know, taking over or, or even if their quarterback Mm -hmm. is, is playing poorly. Uh, And then their replacement options. I mean, we just talked at the top of the hour, Jake Eason, you know, fifth round pick, not like they really put a ton in him. Now, now what would be interesting is if they signed Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, uh Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, one of these other veteran backup quarterbacks, which I should argue they are in the position that they should be doing that. They're they're taking the upside shot on Carson Wentz, you know, basically betting that he's able to come back and find that form that made him an MVP candidate, that led the Eagles to being one of the best teams in the NFL in 2017. But if things go wrong for him and he plays like he did last year, then what? Then you're screwed. You have this great defense. You have this awesome running game, this great offensive line, and you don't have anything to do with it. But if they sign Fitzpatrick, Dalton, Jameis, someone like that, then they at least have someone that they can bench Wentz for and get roughly similar production from. Like a bad Carson Wentz is about the same as a good Andy Dalton season, I think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, that, that fair points. Uh, the first point is that Rivers, after the first game of the season, every Colts fan wanted him benched because he lost to uh, Jacksonville and everyone thought it was over. Mm-hmm. He ended up rebounding and having a pretty good year. But your point is well taken. The Colts got better as the year went on running the ball and, and, and just protecting the quarterback, and that was pretty much it. The counter that I would have to that is that if every report out of Philadelphia is true, and I don't know that it is because we would only be speculating – It was the fact that Hertz was there is what destroyed Carson Wentz and what had him looking over his shoulder the entire season. It worked well for Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay with love. I'm not sure that that worked for Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts being drafted and over the shoulder of Carson Wentz. So, if you bring in, by the way, the name you mentioned, most interestingly enough, Fitzpatrick, (laughs) I mean, after one bad game for Wentz, everyone is going to be yelling, Davis, you know this for Fitzpatrick. So, I, I don't know. I think you almost you, – you are right. They probably should have a better option than Jacob Eason there. But if you do, are you back down the same road again where, oh, my gosh, when through one touchdown, three picks, 225 yards, game two, opens up, one for seven, and then is there really that leash there for him? I'm not sure. I, I think the trade is fine, and I think the Colts did fine here. I think the Eagles did fine. They had to move on. But I still have my questions, I think, going into the season with him, no doubt. Now, Davis, what will this do for Hertz? as far as uh, your – I mean, I, I suppose we all thought he was going to start anyway going into – at least I, mm-hmm. did. I thought he would start anyway going into next year. I don't think that you let him start five games and then and play well, by the way. Uh, he's got to be a QB1, right, because of the, you mentioned the ability to run and you're buying all his cards, so you have to feel that way. I do too. I've I've always been a big fan of his.
3: Yeah, so Jalen Hurts. uh, A lot of what we think about him is colored by the fact that he was benched for Tua in college. And you know what? I just I'm not going to hold that. I'm not going to hold that against him. Right? He was tremendous at Oklahoma. He was tremendous at other times at Alabama. You know, and actually the reverse. He came in for Tua once and and won. You know, a massive game. So like, it's not like Jalen Hurts was was this um, useless college quarterback who had to get benched and couldn't throw the ball. Like. You know, I just I don't think any of that stuff is true. Obviously, I think his game has lots of holes in it because he is not a you know he's not a perfect thrower. He's like this guy is not Joe Burrow. He's not Trevor Lawrence. But sure. specifically, I think he's going to be an amazing fantasy football quarterback. He's huge. Like Jalen Hurts is a big dude. You know, bigger, stronger than uh, you know than, than Carson Wentz. Even you know, to be honest, like he is he is a a great runner. I actually think he is a better thrower. Than people are gonna give him credit for um, I think that he throws with anticipation obviously I don't think he has like the, the tightest spiral or you know fits it into tight windows but I do think he is is better than people give him credit for and um, you can't get it anymore this number is already gone but earlier in the week you could bet him at 125 to one to win MVP on some of those legal sports books there. Uh, in new jersey now that number the last i checked it was 100 to 1 i bet by the time you and i are off the air it'll be 75 to 1 and there'll just be no value left in it but i do think that hurts is the prime example of you know move where the ball is going not where the ball is right so josh allen lamar jackson baker mayfield we've seen all these young mobile quarterbacks really take over the nfl and jalen hurts to me is is the next in line there
2: yeah, and, and look, they, they're going they're going to sign a free agent wide receiver this offseason. They're not going to just let him roll back out there with Jalen Rager and Greg Ward and nothing else. So there's going to be a massive upgrade coming there, even if, her, if Zach Ertz is gone. Uh, real quick, back to the Colts for a minute here. Uh, better feelings about Pittman? I don't know where T.Y. Hilton would be, but better feelings about Pittman and what else in Indianapolis? I feel like they may have to. Get somebody. Maybe they end up with Zach Ertz too.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe they do. Actually, that would be a very funny thing for uh for Frank Reich to just basically reunite. You know, he gets uh, Trey Burton, then he goes and gets Wentz, then he goes and gets Ertz. You know, that then maybe they they pull Deshaun Jackson and too. They just you know re- reunite the whole gang there in Indianapolis. I will say though, I'm pretty bullish on Michael Pittman Jr. in general. Uh, he played better than I thought he would as a rookie. I thought he would be kind of a slow developing guy, but he had 100 receiving yards in his fourth game. Like he, he basically mm-hmm. was ready to start kind of from day one. So I, I'm pretty bullish on Michael Pittman. I think obviously Wentz, pretty, pretty I think Wentz, if healthy, is an upgrade on Philip Rivers, and certainly is better than you know Jacoby Brissett or Jake Eason. So I, I, I think Pittman Jr. is a guy to be buying stock on right now.
2: Yeah, there, look, there's no question that, that wins can be better than Rivers, but it's going to be a very compelling situation going into the year next year, and we'll kind of have to see. You mentioned Jacoby Brissett. I almost forgot about him for a minute. Maybe that's just simply the backup that they have going into next year, and I agree with you. I don't know that that would be a great idea, but it could very well be the case. All right, uh, coming up, more fantasy discussion. We'll kick around some baseball, some NBA, give you the latest odds in uh, on win totals in Major League Baseball as well and all of the top stories we bring to you here on SportsGrid. So don't go away. We'll be right back.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling.
2: Welcome back It is fantasy sports today here on SportsGrid, sportsgrid.com. I'm Craig Mish, along with Davis Maddock. We got you covered every day until 2 o'clock Eastern. Of course, coming up, we're going to talk a little baseball here. Just a quick reminder, Davis and I spent some time talking about the top story of the day, Carson Wentz being traded from Philadelphia, Indianapolis. You can either hit your rewind button if you're watching uh, on demand or if you're watching the show live, we will talk more about Carson Wentz coming up at the top of the hour as well, but he officially is now a member of of the Indianapolis Colts. Also, Trevor Rosenthal signs a one-year deal, formerly of the San Diego Padres, almost out of baseball a couple of years ago. One year, $12 million, according to MLB Network. He's the new closer for the Oakland Athletics. Liam Hendricks, who was their closer last year, is now in Chicago. Lots of balls in motion here. I totally get that. All right, one other move that happened this offseason, and surprising for some and for others not so much, is the Tampa Bay Rays parting with their best pitcher, former Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell. Now let's also keep in mind that this is the way that the Rays do business. Guy becomes great, they decide to move on, everyone screams and yells, and then they go back out and win 90 games the next year. Pretty much the case. In terms of Snell, if you remember about a year ago, when the Dodgers acquired Mookie Betts, Snell was the first one to say, whew, don't have to see that guy anymore in Boston. And I guess, Snell says, that kind of backfired a little bit.
5: Yeah, I mean, I said a while ago when Boston traded Mookie, I was super excited and thank you, Boston. So now I got to face Mookie even more. Um, I'm taking my thank you back. Uh, I'm not thanking Boston anymore, but no, I mean, I'm excited. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, the challenge of their lineup. Uh, they're a good team. And... You know, to be able to face them and compete with myself and really, you know, try to be the best I can be, um, that team is going to do a lot of things to make me an even better pitcher. So I'm super excited that, you know, I get a you know, pitch against them. Hopefully I get a pitch against them all, you know, every time we play them. So it's something that I look forward to um, and I really can't wait for it. So, um, yeah, I, I'm definitely excited. I know how, you know, the rivalry's been. I know it's uh, a little feisty lately, which... I'm here for all of that, uh, and I'm looking forward to you know being a part of it, uh, and hopefully that you know puts us on the winning side uh, more than not.
2: Davis, I don't know if it's an option to relocate the Padres to the American League, but man, that would be nice. I feel so bad for them, right? Like they're doing everything possible to fight this uphill battle against the juggernaut Los Angeles Dodgers. They got Blake Snell. They signed Tatis to 300 million. They're just signing everybody. And yet, the Dodgers are still going to be the favorites going into the season. But that takes nothing away from how good Blake Snell was. Blake Snell, you Darvish, this is a really good team going into the season, Davis.
3: It, uh, it is a really good team. And I think they are learning some lessons from the Dodgers because what they're doing is they're building a deep team. We've already talked about this. You know, we've been doing this show for a week and we've already talked about, you know, Jerks and Profar and Ha Song Kim and Jake Cronworth, all these, all these bench bats. You know, if they suffer injuries, they're going to have bats to come off the bench. They're going to have a deeper bullpen. They're working on adding pieces to the rotation. Um, so I, I, I uh, I am with, uh you know i am i am with that organization i i wish them you know uh nothing but nothing but good things i actually just bought a lot of manny machado his bowman chrome cards planning on getting those graded you know kind of just instead of betting on the padres to win the world series just betting on the padres to have uh, a really strong season overall I am, I am with the padres for sure and, and with our, our guest blake snell
2: Never thought we'd be talking so much uh, baseball cards here on the show. Boy, oh boy, this is going to be a fun show. Let's look at Blake Snell's numbers from last year. They were pretty good, Davis, and you see where his ADP in the NFBC is. Basically a third, early fourth round pick for some going into a better environment, arguably a better ballpark. I know some people have contrarian approach on Petco because it's become more offensive centric. But outside, Davis, of having to face the Dodgers, the diamondbacks are down the giants are down yes davis he's gonna make two starts at cores we know that but beyond Mm -hmm. that i think that snell's numbers would probably look identical to where he was maybe three years ago where he won the cy young i know he struggled a little bit in 2019 but no issue with blake snell even if i struggle to get starting pitching at the beginning of a draft can he be a number one starter for you in fantasy
3: yeah, I think he can, and, you know, uh, sure, they, they let up a bunch of doubles and stuff, whatever, you know, talking about how Petco works, but I think the cool thing about switching from the Rays to the Padres is they're not yanking Blake Snell second time through the order. He's not coming <laughs> out at four and a half innings pitch. He's not coming out at, like, he is going to have a chance to go six, seven, eight. If he's, if he's sitting there at 85 pitches in the seventh inning, they're keeping him in. Um, and you you don't think about that mattering that much on a you know an individual game basis, but over the course of the year, that's going to earn him a bunch of extra strikeouts. That's going to put him in line for more wins. Like I I think that this is a a huge value because like let's remember the AL East. That's a tough division to pitch in, right? right. A bunch of bunch of hitters ballparks you got to go against the rays you got to go against the or you got to go against the yankees the blue jays like a bunch of good offensive teams so i i think this is definitely um a a buying opportunity on blake snell just a hundred percent yeah
2: well Yeah, Baltimore, not an easy place to pitch either. And their offense has been very good, even with them struggling over the last few years. A lot of guys hitting home runs, they just like to cut guys, Baltimore. (laughs) It's basically what they've been doing the last couple of years. All right, well, another potential ace in fantasy, no question, is Aaron Nola of the Philadelphia Phillies coming off a fantastic 2020. Look, the Phillies struggled. He was not one of the reasons. This guy would go in the game, pitch seven innings, then the bullpen would blow it. The Phillies had a historically bad bullpen. So keep that in mind as you're chasing wins going into 2021. Not quite sure. Will the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen be good? I don't know, but it can't be as bad as it was last year because it was historically bad. It cannot be close. Going into 2021, as Nola reported yesterday, he said, throw out all these ideas of only me throwing, what, 100, 120 pitches. Give me 30 starts. Give me 200 innings for myself, I'd rather pitch on normal normal rest. That's what we're all used to. That's what I'm used to. Uh, I want to make 30 30 plus starts a year. uh, This year too. Um, And that's, that's always been my goal. Uh, I want to throw, get past the 200 inning mark and 30 starts every year. So that's, that's kind of what I train and prepare my body for. Davis, when you look at nola stats from last year they really don't tell the entire story i can't say this enough it was the worst bullpen that i had ever seen in my history of watching baseball now again it was only 60 games i thought girardi made some really good points at the end of the year over 162 the bullpen couldn't have been that bad that's what he says i mean i'm not sure but girardi's been around a long time but he thinks that had things played out for 162 it was just a horrible stretch of 60 games we'll never really know but Davis, ADP of 22, Aaron Nola is going in the second round of every fantasy draft. So uh, having to make the choice between him or some others, that would be what I would ask you. Also, I would tell you that his K numbers are up significantly over where they've been the last couple of years. He wasn't really known as that 11 strikeout per nine type guy, but that was his pace last year.
3: Yeah, that was his pace, and I I'm just gonna dictate to the market on this one. Um, I also think that part of his ADP right now is just this is the the highest that starting pitching has ever been valued in the history of fantasy baseball. Um, if you if you just go look at historical starting pitching ADP, guys are getting pushed up who are you know good starting pitchers but not great starting pitchers. You know guys like Jack Flaherty. Uh, just you know the, they're going three rounds ahead of where they would have gone uh five years ago uh, a, and I actually saw another chart that in the top 100 picks uh, this is the most starting pitchers that have ever gone inside of the top 100 of NFBC adp so you know I, I don't have a I don't have a big fault for Aaronola like I, I think he's you know kind of fine uh, I don't have a strong feeling about him but i I do feel like, just with the way that starting pitching is getting pushed up, it's it's a pretty fair price tag.
2: Yeah, I, I think the dynamic as we go is finding out for sure to start the season which clubs have six-man rotations because the interesting part of this is that I was on Miami's call yesterday, and then after that call is over, as as I've talked about many times, I have access to all of these that that all the coaches and all the players do. So some make the air here on Fantasy Sports Today, and some, I just am curious and I listen. And Davis, I got to tell you, that question is probably the most relevant question that I've heard thus far. And it seems like two-thirds of the teams, at the very least, are at least exploring the idea of a six-man rotation. So Davis, Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but going into the season, I mean, I know Seattle's already said that they're going to try it or do it. I have a feeling four or five teams are going to do it. I think we're going to see six men, maybe not right at the first week because there's a couple days off. You know how that works. They play their day off, they play again, then they don't, it's it's weird how they do the first two weeks of the season. But I I think six men are going to be in several rotations this year.
3: Yeah, I mean, I am hearing it. Um, all the time. Like I, like every, every, you know, fantasy baseball podcast, uh, I listen to every time I, I crack open fan graphs or whatever. There's some team talking about adding guys. You look at, you know, projected playing time and a lot of these, uh, projection services, you know, zips and steamer depth charts and everything are, Kind of hedging their bets with some of these, uh, some of these, you know, six man, long man guys, giving them a couple starts, but giving them a bunch of innings out of the bullpen as well. So finding guys who are one in a five man rotation and one who are not going to have an opener ahead of them. Honestly, like those guys are just going to earn huge fantasy baseball dollars this year because innings more than ever are going to be tough to come by.
2: Yeah, we'll have to sort that out. Uh, That's why doing these drafts right now a little difficult. But once the spring games start and the pitchers start throwing, I think we'll have a much better idea for sure. All right, coming up next is our first look at Major League Baseball season win totals here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. Of course, we're going to dive into one club that was a big surprise as far as their win total last year. That was the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, they finished 10 games under five hundred in a 60-game season, but they went over their win total last year. Will they do it again this year? Davis and I will tell you next. So, between, stay on the grid, don't go away.
1: SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, 24/7, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads.
3: Welcome
2: back to Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid, Craig Mitch and Davis Maddock here on the show from now all the way through spring training. Davis and I are day by day going to take a look at a season win total in Major League Baseball, kind of break it down, tell you where the line stands, and decide inevitably – if we have an opinion on it, which could mean a number of different things. We could say that we really like it, we really don't like it, we could have a lean, or we could have nothing. And that's part of sports wagering. You don't have to have a strong opinion on every single bet. And I know that that's the way that Davis sees it. It's the way that I see it as well. So right before the season, I'm sure we'll give out the ones that we like the most, but it's never a bad time to start taking a look at at least what the early line says before it gets moved a little bit. So Davis, today on the show, we're going to take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, a very surprised team, I would say, in 2020. In fact, had they not lost, I, I think 80 percent of their games in the last week or two, they were close to 500. In fact, their total this year is actually 66 and a half, which is up from about 58 or 59 from last year because they finished 25 and 35 a year ago. 2019, Davis, yeah, it was really ugly. They won 54 games, and so right, uh, they do have Trey Mancini back. For this year. That's a positive. Renato Nunez, who arguably has been their best power source the last couple of years, like they did with Jonathan VR Davis, they said, oh, you win some games for us, but we really don't need you. And they just let him go. Didn't get <laughs> anything back for him in return. Uh, we're going to go through their infield. We're going to go through their outfit. We're going to go through their pitching. But when I uh, put a 66 and a half on the Orioles, do you feel strongly about anything here in the first look at it before we get into the team?
3: So, I don't, I guess I should say I do not feel super strong about this, but I would lean the under here. First, I think their pitching is terrible. Um, so right away, that just, that just puts you in a big hole. Just if you, if you don't have starting pitching, it's a tough spot. Um, and then second, I would say they are probably the, bad to mediocre team that is most impacted by playing in a suffocating division you know the yankees the blue jays the rays these teams they just win games right they just like the yankees have the crazy roster the blue jays have this unbelievable one through you know 12 hitter as we talked about yesterday on the show um and then you know the yankees are just uh insanely talented so i, I would i would slightly lean under here for the Orioles. But again, this is not one that I am, I'm banging my fist on the table for either.
2: Yeah. And and again, the Orioles should be better than they were last year, but how much better or two years ago, I'm sorry, but how much better can they possibly be? And let's keep in mind, Mike Elias, who will be on the show for us here in the spring He's the same school as the Houston Astros, which is losing 100 games for four or five years and then get those draft picks and then become good. And they're, and they're only three years into this process. So I'm with you. I would lean under on that 66 and a half. And I don't think the Orioles would have beef if they went under 66 and a half. Let's look at their infield here. Uh, Chan Sisko is going to be at catcher. Ryan Mountcastle at first. Yolmer Sanchez, more of a defensive player at second base. He's bounced around the league. Freddie Galvez is at short. Rio Ruiz will be at third base. He showed some really nice power for them Mm -hmm. a year ago. And then as far as their outfield and their designated hitter is concerned, Davis Austin Hayes, who I spoke to last spring training, kind of still looking for that breakout. DJ Stewart is a very young, unproven player. We'll have to see what he ends up being. Uh, Trey Mancini, of course, was very ill last year. So happy to see him back, and I think he'll help a lot with that lineup. And Anthony Santander has been a part of a lot of trade rumors is is back again maybe baltimore looking to potentially sell high on him uh, after what they saw the last year and a half so uh, offensively i think they have no problems davis i think they kind of stack up with a lot of other teams their ballpark helps a lot for those offensive players so when we get to dfs season i think there's going to be some nice sleepers here and even in season-long fantasy guy like mountcastle if he said oh mountcastle won rookie of the year and hit 35 home runs wouldn't shock me at all i could absolutely see that happen no problem with their offense for me here
3: yeah, no problem with their offense. Mount Castle is a guy who I think is pretty interesting both for for fantasy, for cards, uh, you know, for betting his overs. Uh, when we get a little bit closer to the season, our our uh, business partner, our our sponsor the FanDuel Sportsbook will have, you know, over/unders for individual players we will be able to bet home right. run over/unders and Mount Castle looks like a guy to be bullish on Uh, his last year in the minors, he hit 25 home runs with two steals. He does have a really high K rate and a low walk rate, but he actually was better in his first cup of coffee in the major leagues in terms of walking than he was in his final season in AAA, which to me, when I look at a guy who does that, I go, well, yeah, it's a small sample a little bit, but this guy not going to be overwhelmed, you know. Not going to come to Major League Baseball, and get ran over by you know Garrett Cole and and, and all of the amazing pitchers that he's going to have to face. So Mountcastle and uh, Chance Cisco, the the catcher, are two Orioles that I would be buying for fantasy baseball, and just who I think are uh you know a little bit better than the market thinks.
2: And, and Chance Cisco was in the futures game a few years ago, thought very highly of, and really did nothing offensively. His defense is pretty good, but uh he's got a big circle on him this year to get better and he did in that 60 gamer but again a lot needs to happen here Yomer sanchez is not a draftable fantasy asset and there's some questions surrounding the rest of the guys and also you have to also keep in mind you're drafting any oriole you know in july there's a chance he's not an oriole and you're not getting the same playing time that's definitely part of the equation but uh, anyone in that ballpark is going to mash that's just the way it's been at camden yards now going on almost two, two decades Okay, now over the pitching staff, this is where it gets a little dicey. It's a nice way to put it. John Means, who was an all-star a couple of years ago, has not shown that since. And then a lot of young dudes. Uh, Keegan Aiken, Dean Kramer, Jorge Lopez, and then King Felix is their five here. Let's also keep in mind they have a young prospect named Grayson. Rodriguez who at some point is going to be up this year and they think very highly of him. So that's a name to keep in mind, but again, he's in Baltimore. (laughs) So, so I mean, you know, it doesn't matter who you are you're in Baltimore and and they've had a hard time developing young, good starting pitching means was actually like really good by accident, I would say. And then their closer is Hunter Harvey. And I think he could be pretty good. He hasn't been healthy, but I think he can be pretty good if he gets save ops and the Orioles win a lot of these bounce back ten nine type games. Harvey's going to get some save opportunities. We saw Givens get them with Baltimore too. But Davis, even Matt Harvey's in this mix. It's it's just really ugly. It's going to be bad. It's going to be stinky. And I, I don't think there is a fantasy league opening up a season that you want to start any of these guys. And that's rare to say, but any of these guys to start the year.
3: Probably not. I mean, I am a little interested to see what happens with Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer. Uh, Basically, no major league experience between the two of those guys. Uh, Just, you know, looking at um, some of their scouting report stuff, it, it does look like they have decent stuff uh you know uh, so i always like to see the young pitchers come up and just and also because pitching is uh so hard to project right there there is no such thing as a pitching prospect that's what they say and we don't know if these guys are working on new pitches and a lot of these guys these minors um, it, the, the guys who were in the minors—they were at the alternate site last year. We don't have any stats for them. We don't know what they no. were working on. We don't know what their their spin rate is like. We don't know what their if their fastball is adding velocity or if their change up added movement. Like we don't know anything. So I I do kind of just like that um, that that unresolved mystery of young starting pitchers coming into this year. And and also I I kind of think we'll get into this spot where some of these young pitchers are really going to take. Establish veteran batters by surprise because there'll be no scouting report and and my guess is that a lot of these young guys will not just be blitzing fastballs in to veteran hitters because uh, why why would you why would you just start throwing fastballs when these guys don't know what your secondary pitches look like and so you know early on in the season DFS things like that um, I'm very interested to see how crafty and tricky these young starting pitchers with no scouting reports can be.
2: You know, with with the way that the ball has been, there used to be in the past when we would look at potential young starting pitchers that are rookies in fantasy, there were a few. There have been, Davis, very few over the last ten years that have been really good at it. We've heard about them. Like we've heard Nate Pearson's going to be a star. We've heard Spencer Howard on Philadelphia is going to be a star. We've heard Jesus Lozardo is going to be a star in Oakland. But it, it does seem to take a second and sometimes even a third year. I think a great example of that, Davis, is Lucas Giolito, who had the same fanfare as everyone else. Lucas Giolito's first big league season starting was an unmitigated disaster. And all of a sudden now, the guy is yeah, no-hitter Cy Young award winner type. So I manage this as far as rookies go. It's, it's usually not the way that I like to draft. I usually draft no rookie starting pitchers, period. I like the second year guys. I like even more the third year guys. But I can tell you this, and I know that you're right. They do like uh, Keegan Aiken a lot, and Grayson Rodriguez is the other one. I think they like more than anybody on this list. But I got to tell you, I'm not interested. I'm 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 a hard pass on on all of these guys in Baltimore because they're going to end up looking like Glavin and Maddox maybe eventually, and Smoltz. Right. But look at those guys' stats in their first year. They were awful, and and I and unfortunately, I think that's where we could be headed with this. Um, so as we wrap on the Orioles, Davis, let's take one more look at their win total here. Let's look at it here. Uh, we got a graphic of 66 and a half. That's what, that's what the number is going to be going into the season. And uh, you're going to at least now on February 18th, your lean is an under. Is that accurate? I just want to make sure that that's, that's where you're leaning there, right?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning under. I mean, it's great. It's great for them to get uh, Trey Mancini back, but you know Freddie Galvez and Yolmer Sanchez playing primary roles on the team, and, and we just talked about you know I mean this team is literally counting on Felix Hernandez to give them a hundred innings, like you know it, it it just seems like an organization that uh knows what they need to do to get back on the winning path, knows what they need to do in terms of roster construction, and trying to beat their win total this year doesn't even really interest them that much so if it doesn't interest them uh it doesn't interest me either
2: yeah and and i'll lean under as well as as we close this out there's a couple things i'll i'll add on on the orioles uh first of all that previously the angelos family who has been the owners and running this team forever uh had been completely adverse davis to spending any money internationally for the last 20 years up until two years ago they basically spit on any money going to international prospects like they were not interested in Ronald Acuna like there we don't want those kind of guys they would just basically put their money into the draft put their money into free agency and that is it it is a 180 now with with the new guys who are running the Orioles they're spending as much or more than any team in Major League Baseball internationally does that mean a lot for this year and their total of 66 and a half does that mean a lot for Fantasy baseball in DFS this year? No, none of that really matters. But some of the best players in all of baseball are coming from outside of the United States. You see it every single year. I mean, the guy who's getting $300 million is international. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., even though his dad played in the States, international player. And so I do think the Orioles are going about this the right way. And Davis uh, fell short of saying the T word in baseball, which is tanking. Um Can't say that the Orioles necessarily are tanking. Remember, they did win 25 games last year out of 60. But I'm with him on this. And my lean also would be under 66 and a half. And as we roll on on our win totals, if any of them change leading up to opening day, we definitely will let you know and keep you updated on that. And we'll take a look at another club tomorrow. You'll just have to tune in to see who we end up discussing. All right, coming up next, more fantasy discussion as we wrap up the hour. We'll go over our top story, which is Carson Wentz is a new member of the Indianapolis Colts, the fantasy ramifications, the potential win total that will be established, and, of course, their Super Bowl uh, certainly have changed in Indianapolis. We'll talk about that as we roll on here on Fantasy Sports today Yeah, hey, welcome back. We've got top of the hour headline coming up. We'll dive into everything happening in football and baseball. Looks like some signings happening in baseball today as well. Uh, but Davis uh, Carson Wentz uh, traded from the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts. We've, we broke down those two teams. What about the Chicago Bears? That was the other club that was rumored to be involved potentially getting Wentz. Do they dare roll back with with uh, Trubisky again this year, or they'll shock us and end up getting someone? Right, feels like that's the direction.
3: I think no way they run it back with Trubisky. He is a restricted free agent. They can theoretically, uh, you know, hold right of refusal with his deal this year, but they can also let him go and not have any dead cap money. I think the only way that Nagy was able to keep his job was he told. The ownership group that they were moving on from Trubisky. And now I don't know if that means Chase Daniel or drafting someone or trading for Drew Locke or signing Jameis Winston or, or doing the Fitzpatrick thing. Fitzpatrick seems like, shouldn't it just seem like Fitzpatrick should do a stint with the Bears? He's done a stint with like every other team that doesn't have a franchise quarterback. It feels like he should go and, you know, do his year of service with the Chicago Bears. But I, I think it's pretty low probability that Mitchell Trubisky is back with uh, the Chicago Bears. I, I think that seems unlikely. Yeah,
2: I, I feel the same way. You know what my concern would be as a Bears fan? is, is And you mentioned it, is that, and, and Ryan Pace, I guess, is the GM, and he's got to be under some fire. We know that Nagy is under some fire, too. I, I would hate to think that this is like a Bill O'Brien situation going into the year, Davis, where they just mortgage everything for something and and it doesn't work out and then you set yourself back like houston did probably for at least three years in the nfl usually once every three or four years you can just kind of get back into it but i, we, I think we both agree houston's going to be the worst team in the nfl or close to it once they trade watson um that would be my my concern is they end up getting like matt ryan or doing something wild to just like go for it all in on this year which i think would be a mistake all right, right we'll, we'll talk more about this coming up at the top of the hour we have our headlines more on the trade in the nfl uh trevor rosenthal the last really good remaining bullpen arm is headed to oakland we'll dive into that as well so make sure you stay on the grid
0: reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil